And is it on? Do I push do I push the button? Is it a clap on? Oh. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Oh my god, that's weird. Uh Okay, let's let's try I stand amazed. Oh my gosh, that's that's bizarre. That's weird. Yeah, here. Justin, let's let's start out I stand amazed. I just want to see how this thing works. Stand I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me, a second I can't do that. That's weird. What was that? Well, I wasn't singing very confidently because I was trying to like concentrate on this. Try it. Try it. Just try it. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough, no. <laughs> Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough, no. Do you believe in life as a love? I can feel something inside to say, I really don't think you're strong enough, no. With arms wide open, yeah. under the sunlight, welcome to this place, I'll show you everything. Jeremy spoke clear as Jeremy spoke Did you turn this thing off? Oh Lord, please do that. <laughs> that, would be, that would be disastrous if this thing came on. 
I will lose it if it happens. You should get one of those and do that for. So, guys, Parker does stand up, by the way. What? How much, John? How much was that? Park, that was a. Studio for a 
everything should be like the um, larger but her studio is right but here at the um yeah when you go out on the boulevard near little mac next to commission services building yeah that medical center yeah. right there she's on the third floor oh that's she's like awesome. super close to church that's awesome Three is where we're going to be today, and uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, uh, that'll be page 1016, and I appreciate uh, Daniel, the other Daniel's story, um, and, uh, and really, as you're finding your place in the Bible, um, the title of today's message is The Second Greatest Story Ever Told, The Second Greatest Story Ever Told, and of course, the first greatest story ever told is God's story, Amen. Is about how he's working in the world, how he has uh, left the throne of heaven and came to earth to rescue sinners. That he loved us so much that he came and he took a cross for every man, woman, boy and girl. Because we had sinned against him, we had rebelled. God had desired a relationship with us, but we rebelled against him and pushed God's hand away and said, God, we don't want you in our lives. And then, of course, we made a, a mess of the earth. We made a mess of our lives, and instead of God giving us the just punishment for our sins, he sent his son. That's the greatest story ever told, amen? Then the second greatest story ever told is your story. Everyone has a story, just like this man, Daniel, had a story about how God worked. And even through the difficulties, even through the hardships, and it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. In fact, it was something even better, amen? And so as we kind of continue this series and today will be sort of the, the last day of who's your one, learning how we can make a difference in one person's life. Amen. And, um, <clears throat> and so as we're, you're finding your place in First Peter, you can uh, put that other slide back up there, David, for me, please. Um, in First Peter chapter 3, we're going to just look at this quickly. Uh, but as we get ready to do that, I, I want you to know the power of a simple story. <clears throat> Is that your story has power in it. Uh, as you testify, as you share about what God has done in your life. And, and again, just like Daniel did on the screen, in fact, you can go online and find they got a million of those I am second videos. Um, and, and that's really what it's saying is that Christ is first and I am second. Here is just my small part of the story that God is weaving throughout all of history. And I, I love watching those stories and how they encourage me. But, you know, people like to listen to stories. You prefer to listen to stories uh, and I do as well, right? Because we could, we could do a little PowerPoint presentation and go through some facts and history class. And, and some of you are already trying to fall asleep right now. I just said the word history class. And you just say, right, what? I just, just default position, right? And, um, and we can go through and list the facts. Or I could tell you a story, like a story I heard this week about the sandwich. 
And we can talk to you about how the story was invented, uh, or, or the sandwich, I'm sorry, was invented. Or I could tell you about John Montague. The year was 1762. And John Montague was the fourth earl there in England of a little parish called Sandwich, right? And um, he, he was a corrupt politician, unfortunately, an adulterous husband and an incessant and degenerate gambler. He loved to play cards, but he also loved to eat and have snacks. And, and he was insistent that, that as he was playing cards and he was so addicted to playing cards, right, that, um, that he didn't want to stop for a snack break. And so he would have the servants bring him snacks as he ate. And one day, after playing like what, what was uh, an all-night, all-day, and then the next day poker tournament, if you will, and um, he, he had to have these snacks. And so he said, bring me my meat and cheese in between two slices of toast so that it doesn't fall over so that I can eat with one hand and play cards with the other hand. And that's the story of how the sandwich came into being. I know you are just blessed now, and your life has been radically changed by the story of the sandwich. Some of you would say, my story, my life is changed by the story of the sandwich every week, Pastor. And, um, <laughs> right? But, but a story, man, is something powerful. Like, we want to listen to it. People want to know your story and how God has worked in your life. And so it's something much more than... Um, than trying to go through you know, the, these bullet points of objective ideas, but it's saying, this is how God has changed my life. And I know he could change your life as well. Just as Daniel testified to us about God's sovereignty, amen, and talked about, man, even though things were being ripped from me, I knew and, and, I, and I doubted and I struggled, but I knew that God has a plan. I heard the, the other story about a homeless man uh, this week as well. And he lived in the woods behind a convenience store. And every morning as the store was getting busy, he would go and stand by the door. And you know how we are, right? We're busy. Most people are too busy as they're getting their coffee and on their daily commute. And um, and so he often got ignored. But he was holding two things. He had a, a shoebox and he had a pencil. And as he stood there, as everybody was going in, now he stood by the door and he would just say this, good morning, what's your name? And that's all he would say. Most people would just brush by him and get their coffee and all that sort of stuff. And then one day, a gentleman walked up, and, um, and, and he was about to ignore this man. And, and the homeless man said, good morning, what's your name? And this man said, my name is Jim. He just felt like God was impressing him to slow down a little bit. He said, my name is Jim. And then he just kept walking. And as he got his coffee, his gas was getting filled up. And he just felt like God was weighing upon him. He said, man, you're getting some coffee. Get this man, a cup of coffee as well. You know, what's the harm in that? So a couple bucks, he got the coffee and he goes outside and he gives the guy a cup of coffee and he says, hey, this is for you. And he says, wow, thank you so much. And he asked him his name again and he said, it's Jim. And he goes, my name's Howard. And he says, okay, well, look, God bless your brother. I got to go, man, keep the faith. And and, uh, and he went about his way. And then it was a few weeks later that uh, he had to, you know, gas up his truck again and he's going inside to get some coffee. And, and as he was Pulling into the parking lot, he noticed there was an ambulance and police cars and a crowd of people sort of standing around. And as he kind of made his way over there, he noticed that um, the man, Howard, had been hit by a car and killed the homeless man. And so he went over there and he could tell that everybody was kind of like, you know, in on the situation, checking things out and, and all that sort of stuff. But he could tell that nobody really knew anything about the man. As people were meandering, everyone was like, yeah, I don't know. And the police had checked him. He had no ID. And they just said, man, you know, it's a John Doe. 
And this guy comes up and says, no, 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 wait a second. I, I met this guy just the other week. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know that his name is Howard. And so they're like, okay, all right, let's see if we can find that. And, and so and then as he turns to walk away, the police officer comes up and says, hey, look, man, you're the only person who knows anything about this guy. You take this. This is all we could find on him. And it was that shoebox. And so he gave him the shoebox. And so this guy's like, I, what, what, you know, what am I going to do with this? And so he gets his coffee. He's holding on to the shoebox. He's just like, man, this is crazy. He goes, and before he gets off on, on the busy day and get on the highway, he decides to open that shoebox as he sits in his car. He opens up that shoebox, and he sees in it the short little stubby pencil that the guy was holding before and an envelope. And that envelope is scribbled on the front of it, my friends. And he goes, oh, man, this will be good. I, I, I need to see maybe who his friends are. Maybe I can contact some of his friends, and, and maybe we can have a little memorial service or do something so that they can know that this person has passed away. And so he opens up the envelope, and in it is another slip of paper that's got some scribbling on it. As he unfolds that paper, just one small sheet of scratch paper, and he opens that up, and all it says on it is, Jim. And he goes, wow. I was apparently this man's only friend. And as I heard about that story and just kind of thought about how you and I, I need to let you know, you may be somebody's gym. You may mean the world to somebody else through just a small act of kindness. Amen. And listen, you don't need a Ph.D. in theology. Amen. You don't need to understand rocket science. You just need to be able to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus in our everyday coming and going. It, it's, it's don't ever underestimate the undeniable power of, of, of a small sacrifice, of looking somebody in the eye, of acknowledging somebody, of, of patting a coworker on the back, of acknowledging them when you come in the room. Don't ever underestimate that small power because God will use it. Done in Jesus' name, amen? And, and we are called to show and tell about the love of Christ. To show and tell. We are called to become love. As God has left us here on the earth to be the hands and feet, we are his body as the body of Christ. We are called to embody that love to the rest of the world around us. And you might be someone's gem. Your life may have such a great impact on somebody else. Amen? And so Peter is writing to a church, to God's people, and he wants to instruct them on, on, man, how do they tell the second greatest story ever told? How do they make an impact? And I want you to know that he, as he was writing, um, the, the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians. They were light. You may have heard about this. Emperor Nero was lighting Christians on fire, dousing them in, in kerosene and wax, and they became human torches to light the city of Rome. And, uh, and Christians were just being persecuted left and right, and they were being attacked and thrown into the Colosseums and attacked by wild animals and made sport of and, and, and just attacked. And Peter writes this letter most likely to the, the church at Rome there and, and, and a bunch of areas, really, as he says in the first chapter in, in Asia Minor and Turkey. But in chapter 3, if you'll pick it up with me and find verse 13 of 1 Peter, Verse 13 says this. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be what? Blessed. Even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered by those who revile you for your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good than it should be, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. As we just look at this small passage today and and Lord, are, are challenged and impacted to always be prepared, Father, to be love, to testify to how you have worked in our lives. God, to make a difference to one person, to one person in our lives. Because that's what you've called us to do as we keep our eyes focused on you. Father, be glorified. Help me, a sinner, God, to communicate your word. And I pray for all of us, God, together as we're here. That, that, Lord, we would see you more clearly. God, we would hear your truth and respond and obey. And, and I just pray as you're there in your seat, I, I ask that you would have a little conversation with God. And right there in your seat, just quietly in, in your heart, would you just say, Lord, speak to me today. Just in the quietness of your heart, say, Lord, speak to me today. For I intend to obey. For I intend to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And so as we close this series on who's your one, and and again, that's a looking at the person, the one person that's right in front of you, not trying to, you know, uh, I got to I gotta tell 25 people about Christ before Easter, otherwise I'm not getting into heaven or something like that, you know. Just one person at a time that God places in front of you. And it's, and it's we had, uh, we filled out some cards. And if you haven't, we'd invite you to just, you know somebody already in your life that maybe just, uh, they don't know Christ and, and you need to better your relationship. You're just going to pray extra for them. There's a, a bookmark in the back. We pass those out, an opportunity for you to pray through those scriptures over that person. And um, and man, can you just imagine, right, us as a family, the family of Plaza, ordinary people, right, sharing our stories and how an extraordinary God will use those in a powerful way. Amen. See, I only have one story. I'm only one voice, right? I can only reach but so many people. But Imagine all of us together as I look at you, as you look at the people next to you, and everyone in here who knows the Lord Jesus Christ has a story to tell about how God has worked in their lives. So reach over, touch your name, and tell them, you've got a good story, and I bet it's a good one. Right? you got a story, and I bet it's a good one. And, and remember, we're, we're talking about that we're testifying. We're simply, we're, we're not the lawyer making a case. We are testifying to what we have seen, heard, and experienced. That's all a witness does, right? Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Acts 1-8. And a witness just testifies. They share their story. I, I saw the red car smash into the white car. That's my story. That's, that's what I know. That's what I saw. I saw it. I was there. I, I once was a sinner. I once was discouraged. And, and man, this is my story. And then Jesus came and he rescued me and he forgave me for all my sins. I once was like this guy and I thought I had this career path and then God changed that. And then I thought I would be this player, but then God changed that and I trusted him through that. And, and now I'm here and, and I trusted God. And I once, man, I went through cancer 
and, and God healed me of that cancer. But, but even, to, even if he didn't heal me, I got so close to God in the midst of my suffering. I knew that God was real. And I kind of, I never knew him that deeply before, but through that tragedy, man, I, I knew that God was real. I, I lost a loved one. And man, let me tell you, I went through some heartache. I went through some terrible nights. I, there were some sleepless nights. There were some yelling and screaming at God. But I'm here to tell you that God came and spoke to me and God met me in the midst of my pain. I went through a divorce and, and you see, all of us got a story. Amen. It's the second greatest story ever told. And when you tell your story, God is going to use it in an amazing way. And so, you know, but a lot of us, though, in fact, I think there are just three simple reasons that uh, we often don't tell our story. And, and as I've heard others and talked to them, and, um, and I think here's the first one. You don't have to write it down. It's not going to be on the screen. But it's we're often afraid we're going to mess up, right? We're often afraid we're going to mess up, right? If I talk to somebody about God, I'm, I'm probably going to mess it up. And as I was just talking with some ladies uh, this week, I was exactly what one of them said. And it's like, man, I'm going to mess up. Right. And it's kind of like, let's be honest, speaking on behalf of God. That's kind of one of the scariest things in the world. Right. You feel like you got to speak on behalf of God and you say something wrong. And it's like, oh, my gosh, welcome to my world. I got to do this every week. (laughs) It's like, oh, man, Lord, I don't want to say something wrong. And um, and Satan will have us convinced. Listen to me now. This is a ploy of, of Satan. He will have us convinced that if we say something, we're going to mess it up. And and all the people on earth are going to go and spend an eternity in hell because we messed up sharing the gospel. And I just need you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God can use your fumbling. He can use your, your bumbling, but he can't use your silence. Amen. And that's a tool of Satan. He'll have you convinced that, that you're going to mess up when you when you say something about Jesus and the polar ice caps are going to melt. All the puppies are going to die. All the kittens are going to die because you are going to mess up telling about Jesus. As I heard one lady um, say this week as I was listening to this podcast, my, my, my wife had actually sent me, and she because it was about parenting, it was like so afraid we're going to mess up our kids. And the lady said, listen, don't worry, take courage. You're not that powerful. <laughs> Amen? Just a little good dose of humility. You're not going to mess up all of eternity or someone else. Just be faithful to open your mouth. And you know the beautiful thing is? It's your story. You can't really mess up your own story, right? You lived it. Amen? You're telling your story. You're not going to mess it up. And so we're often afraid that we're going to mess up. And Satan loves to to twist our minds. And and then, you know why some of us are afraid? Because we've actually never tried. That's the second reason. It seems scary at first, right? Um, I, I wrote in the article, in fact, by the way, if you don't get our, we've sent out a weekly email. It's got some updates in there and all that sort of stuff. If you don't get that, put your name on the connection, your email on the connection. We'll make sure you get that. It's a good way to stay in touch with what's going on in the life of the church. But, but I put in there just about how I was learning to rollerblade when I was young. I loved rollerblading. And, um, but at first, I did not love rollerblading, right? Have you ever had trouble with something that you were scared to do at first? You were scared, right? You were going to ask somebody out. You saw them over there in the cafeteria, and they're, they're just glowing. You're like, oh, today is going to be the day I'm going to ask them out. I'm going to get up the courage. But you're so scared. But you haven't tried yet, right? And then you try, and they say yes. And you're like, yahoo, she said yes. And you're like Bambi and, 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 and Thumper and everybody just all Twitter paid in. And I was like, oh, yes. 
right? You're, you're scared to play an instrument for the first time, and then you do it, and, and you end up loving it right now. I remember being scared to try rollerblading because I was going to fall and break and hurt something, all that sort of And then I just love rollerblading. I just rollerblade all summer long, all day long, just out. Man, I just love it, right? And as I heard one lady testify this week, the joy I felt as I shared my faith, man, I, I just hadn't felt that joy. And some of us were on the other side of that equation because we haven't actually tried it. It seems scary. And then when you do it and you feel, man, God's grace and power flowing through you, it's like, man, there's nothing I've ever done like that before that could compare to that. Amen. And then thirdly is, is a lot of us have just never really been trained. We've never been taught on, on how to share our, our story. And so we want to do that today. And, and just remember, we're joining a conversation that God is already having. God is at work in everyone's life calling his children back home. And, 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 I, and we've got to change that assumption, right? Every week, God is speaking to my neighbor. God is speaking to my loved one. God is, is calling them, and, and I'm just going to see where that conversation is. I'm just going to check in on that conversation, amen? And so let, let's, let's work our way through this text, and then we'll make some application for your story, and then I'm going to give you some homework, amen? Or, oh me. All right, it's like, homework? We don't get homework on Sunday? What is this? You're just the pastor. You can't give me homework. It's okay. I can do, I can do it. Uh, let's work our way back to the text. Look at, look at verse fear. Uh, look at verse 14. And this is exactly what I was talking about. Look at verse 14 of, of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. It says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no what? Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, right? And that's sort of the first thing I was just talking about is that most of us are, are, are afraid that we're going to mess up, but you can't mess up your story. And what Peter is telling us, don't be afraid. Have no fear. Don't be troubled about this. Don't be afraid. And in fact, what is the, the remedy for that? If you look at what is the remedy for our fear, it's always faith, right? Verse 15, he says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. But in your hearts, some translations say, set apart Christ as Lord. In other words, it's, it's, it's me remembering, hey, what am I afraid of, man? Christ is the Lord. He's the ruler of all this stuff. And, and he says, I am his and he is mine. And I'm just going to. In my, in my heart, in my mind, I'm going to set apart Christ as my only Lord. He's the only person in charge of me. He's the only person I have to worry about pleasing today. And so if this person is upset with me, they didn't die for me on the cross. They didn't create me and form me in my mother's womb, did they? No, God, I'm going to set apart Christ as Lord. And so the, the, the answer to our fear is remembering Christ is the Lord and he is holy, right? And we it's about the lordship of Christ. It's about me really surrendering again to, hey, Christ is Lord, and I'm going to walk in faith and obedience to what he's called me to do. And then here we go, verse the rest of verse 15, it says this, always be what? Always being prepared. Always being prepared to make a defense. To anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. Somebody says, oh, pastor, wait a second. It says defense. Some translations say an answer. And the Greek word there is apologia, where we get our word apologetics from, which really just means this. It means a, a, a reasoned statement. Always be prepared to give a reasoned statement. Look at the rest of the verse, right? Always be prepared to give a reasoned statement or a defense or an answer to anyone who asks you about the deepest theological questions in the world. No, uh, about how many angels can, can stand on the head of a pen. Okay? 
to, to are, are the streets in heaven actually paved with gold, or is that symbolic? Or or what was this creature in Genesis chapter whatever, and, and about Noah and the flood? Uh, you know, uh, what about creation, and what about this? And That's not what it says. No, always be prepared to make a defense, to give an answer, a reasoned statement. Your witness, this is what I've heard and experienced, as to what? For the reason, for the hope that is in you. Simply put, why are you a Christian? Why do you have this hope? Let me tell you my story about why I have this hope. Amen? It's, it's not a defense for, for the faith. You're, you're not called to do that, but it's, here's why I'm a Christian. Can every believer in this church answer that? Here's why I'm a believer. Here's why I have this hope. Right? I hope so. I hope so, because if not, maybe you need to check whether or not you're really a believer. Amen? If you say, well, because I'm a church member, that's the wrong answer. If you say, because my parents went to church and I went to church when I was little, that's the wrong answer. There's a reason for the hope that is in you. And, and maybe part of your story is that you were brought to church, but at some point, right, you had to have that hope that became personal to you. And you said, this is why I follow Christ. This is how he saved me. Amen? Always be what? Prepared in the coffee shop because you might be someone's gym at the gas station, in your cubicle, with your classmates, amen, with the people on your team, with your loved ones. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who, and notice what they're doing, notice what they're doing to anyone who asks you. They're asking you because you're living a life that's pleasing to God because you're you're walking with God because you're showing the love of Christ. And you're asking them some questions. Hey, and they're saying, hey, why do you have so much hope? Why do you act this way? Why do you behave this way? And then you have the opportunity. You have the open door, amen, to do this. But then how do we do it? We do it with gentleness and respect. You don't have to be the religious expert who has all the answers. You know who those people were? Those were the Pharisees, right? And they hated Jesus because they thought they had all the answers and Jesus comes with the truth, with grace, with love, with humility. You don't have to have all the, you don't have to be Mr. Religious, I got everything figured out. I love how in that video we watched earlier, right? Daniel's like, look, I, I didn't have everything figured out. God took this away from me. I don't understand that. I spent nights on the floor asking him why. And that's part of your story. Amen. And so do this with gentleness and respect. And so let me just show you. There's a blue sheet. looks like this called the second greatest story ever told. There's two sides to this. There's like tips. And then there's your turn, right? There's your turn on, on the back. That's the blank side. And so if you look over the side that, that has the tips on it, there's a bunch of A, B, C, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, I just want to go over this quickly with you because there's really just three simple parts to your story. How do you tell your story? Number one is this, my life before Christ, right? What was your life like before Christ? Some of us were raised in church. Some of us were not. Some of us were raised by wolves. You know, I don't know. How, what was your life like before Christ? I know that was what some of the parents said, right? I feel like my kids were raised by wolves. They act crazy. What was your life like before Christ? What were the things going on before you met Jesus? And let me just give you a tip, okay? You can write this down. Being real is better than being right. 
A lot of times we try to get into the stuff about being right and all this sort of stuff. Just be real about your life, whatever it was, right? Be real. Be honest about it. If you had struggles, talk about your struggles. Be honest. You don't have to uh, scrub up and chlorinate your testimony to make it look like you're some perfect person, right? Just, just be honest. Being real is better than being right. Be honest about your past. I, if you were raised in church, be honest about that. Don't, you don't have to hide that. If you never did anything crazy, that's okay. Be real about that. That's okay as well. You can say this, God kept me from that, you know. And all my other friends went and did that crazy stuff, and I really can't explain it. Listen, listen, I'm not perfect. But God was just working in my heart, and I didn't go do all that crazy stuff. I, I don't know why I can't explain to you why, but that's just the way it worked for me. I don't know how your life was, right? You just be real. You don't have to change it. I love, there's a picture I'll show you of this guy, Emmanuel Lambert, otherwise known as The Truth. He is a Christian rapper. I think we got that picture there, uh, David. And he went to Philadelphia uh, Biblical University, now Karen University in Philadelphia, and he's a rap artist. But he, he wrote this uh, song called My Testimony, and I want to share uh, a little bit of it with you. But this is what he says. I think we'll throw the lyrics up there. He says, I thought my testimony was less holy. I thought that I was less blessed than the rest of my homies. Just confessing only the big sins, I thought that was a badge of honor. I thought I had to have a story that was packed with drama. But I ain't never been shot. No big crimes. Never smoked weed. Never drank. Never did time. I, I grew up with both parents, both cheering me on, teaching me basic things like no swear. It's so apparent that I came up in the church socially. It's where I learned to gain my worth. I learned to pray and assert myself for God, displaying his worth upon living without blame on the earth. Just an average kid. You know the type that likes to play in the dirt. I came home with dirt stains on my shirt, reciting the same old verse at the table. No games, no hurts. And I knew that I was called before the day of my birth. And it's like that. I ain't got no horror story. God kept me as a youth and I give him all the glory. I thought my story wouldn't float. But now I know the blood of the lamb has saved my soul. And that's my testimony. It's a beautiful song. It goes on and on and on. And he talks about it. And he talks about how the fact that he wasn't perfect. And he talks about some of the things that he did do. But his story was his story is unique to him. So being real is better than being right. Amen. And so what was your life like before you met Christ? Talk about that. Talk about the internal issues. There's some tips there. And then point number two or part number two is, man, how did I meet Jesus? Where were you? Who were the people that told you about Jesus? What was that like? What were the steps you, you took? What were the hurts, the needs, the problems? What made you dissatisfied with the way you were living? How did God get your attention, right? There's all kinds of things. How did you meet Jesus? And, and avoid the Christian cliches. We're like, well, I just got saved, right? What does that mean to somebody who's never been to church before, right? Don't just say that. And then thirdly is my life since I met Jesus. Amen. How has God changed me since then? And listen, being real is better than being right here. You don't have to say, oh, I'm perfect now. You get to say, look, I still struggle. See, because this is what the world thinks about Christians. People think, oh, they're Christians. They go to church every Sunday. They pray every day. Oh, they're perfect. Everything goes over when they drive down the street. Every light turns green for them. Right? I mean, they just have this idea. Their kids always obey them. The Christians just live these perfect lives and we're these perfect people. Right? And you get to say, no, listen. I speed too. I get angry too. I get depressed 
too. I get so upset sometimes I curse in my mind too and out loud sometimes. Right? We're keeping it real. Some of y'all are like, oh no, oh no, I'm caught. I'm caught. Listen, it happens. It happens, and being real is better than being right. But you get to say, listen, but God is changing because, listen, I used to curse a whole lot more. <laughs> if you see me now, it's only like one or two a day. Right. But man, before it was about 15 in a, in a couple of minutes. But let me tell you, God is working on me, and he's changing me, and I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who, who, I, who I should be yet. But I'm on that path. God is growing me and changing me. And I know that he can change you, too. This is the reason for the hope that I have. Amen. So keep it real. It's better than being right and trying to pretend like you're perfect. God made me for his glory. You have a story to tell. Amen. And so imagine with me as as every believer here at Plaza just simply opens their mouths and tells their story and how God is going to use that, that you would be like someone's Jim, that you would be a, a life changer. Because, listen, that's how me as your pastor got here. It wasn't the pastor that, that came and preached to me. It wasn't the pastor that came to my house and, and all this sort of stuff. It was just a teenage girl. It was, it, was, it was some folks, some average believers at a house on Friday nights in their community group. We didn't call it community groups back in the old days, but that's what it was. And we were doing that before it was cool. And, um, and Man, they were just telling me about Jesus. And, and there was other people. There were coaches that, that, that tried to encourage me to pray and, and different people that all along God was speaking to me all these points in my life and all these people were planting the seeds. And that's how I got here. It's from the average everyday believer. Could you be sharing your story with the next pastor, with the next Billy Graham, with the next whoever? It doesn't matter, but one person matters. Amen. And God will use your story. He will use your kindness. He will use your becoming love of Christ to change other people. Amen. And as we gather around the Lord's table, I'm going to ask that the men would come make the Lord's table ready. And as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's table, right? Here's really what this is about. Amen. My story is this. I didn't deserve to be at God's table. I had spurned God. I had turned away from God. I had lived life my own way. I was my own captain. I was my own boss. And I didn't want anything to do with God. And I didn't belong at his table. But oh, how Jesus came one day and went to the cross. And he invited sinners like those 12 sinners, like a Judas who was at that table with him and betrayed him with a kiss later on. And he welcomed the sinners to his table. And he says, come. All, all, all the rebel creatures come back to the table. I want a relationship with you. I'm willing to take the cross. And, he, and as he illustrates for us, I'm, my body is going to be broken for you. Your body deserves to be broken because you have sinned against God. Because you have turned away God's loving and kind hand. Because you have loved other things way more than you have ever loved God. Because you have said a whole lot more than a few nasty words. Because you have been rude to your parents because you have told lies upon lies because you have cheated on that test in school all these things because you have looked upon others with lust because you have violated my commands you deserve to be punished justly for that by a good and loving judge 
But God says, instead, I'm going to punish Jesus. And then my blood is poured out for you. And he welcomes us to the table. And you know what sharing our story is? Sharing our story is, man, I got a seat at the table. I don't deserve to be here. I'm, I'm like a kid who got invited to the, the banquet. I'm just like, so excited. I don't know. Do I use this fork? Do I use that fork? I don't know. I'm not supposed to be here. This is so fancy. And I'm just saying, hey, other people, you can come to this table too. I talked to the banquet captain and he told me, invite as many people as I want to his table. Amen. And so as we celebrate the Lord's table, it's that reminder that we are called to invite others to that table. Amen. Let's pray together and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you. Thank you for the beauty of the cross. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God, and your power. But thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would invite sinners like us to the table. We have all been guilty. We have been guilty, 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 guilty. And you said grace, 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 Grace triumphs your guilt because of what my son did on the cross. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus as we celebrate the table today. God, be glorified in us. Strengthen our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.